This is Eric. You are listening to Core on Code Zero Radio WCZR. Core. 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 You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands. Located in the Fox Cities, a show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to CORE on WCZR, Code Zero Radio. It is November 9th, 2019 today, and my guest is Christopher Gold. Looking forward to an hour of conversation with Christopher if you've got a question, you can give us a call, 920-358-0795. We're going to start the show off with a song from Christopher Gold and the New Old Things. This is Bells. You're listening to Code Zero Radio. feel it coming Time is whispering in my ear I feel it coming Time is whispering in my ear When the train pulls into the station I'm gonna disappear And I feel it coming Time is whispering in my ear Time ain't on our side Love, let's not waste it here Time ain't on our side Love, let's not waste it here Cause I can love you Anywhere, so there's no one known to fear. Time ain't on our side, love, let's not waste it here. These bones will break before too long, they're still strong. They've got miles on you It's alright when it feels wrong Just hold on there ain't a thing that I regret I hear them coming, bells are ringing loud and clear. I hear them coming, bells are ringing loud and clear. The politicians have all gone quiet, you're the only voice I hear. I hear them coming, bells are ringing loud and That was Christopher Gold in the new Old Things with Bells. That's on Blood Harmony. I'd like to welcome our guest, Christopher Gold. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Is Good. it too early for you? Yes. <laughs> well, you had a show last night. Can you tell me a little bit about that show? Uh, I had the band at Gibson Music Hall in Appleton. Uh, we opened for a band from Chicago called Fort Francis. They were releasing a record, and it's fun. But the band is, uh, is rowdy nowadays. <laughs> We're getting pretty loud, so the day after, I always feel a little, you know, just woozy. <laughs> can, can you tell me a little bit about that transition? Because, and I, I want to go across the whole spectrum of your sure. uh, career, but 
did it start out with the dirty rotten so-and-so's or what were you doing before that uh before that i was i started out doing like coffee shops like singer songwriter stuff like you'd expect and then played bass for like a year in a like a garage rock band called the high waters we all lived in appleton but we played madison all the time we never played appleton and then i started a some kind of band called the dirty rotten so-and-so's that were it's like a i guess it was like a punk band but it was real bluesy like i played a lot of slide guitar and a lot of hollow body guitars but i was also like screaming and we were kind of thrashy and loud and, and we did that for a couple of years and then started doing solo stuff and i made two records that was just kind of me and a guitar and just got kind of bored so when you start adding stuff naturally the the volume kind of comes up and then after a couple of years i you know i started missing like the gear and i wanted to buy fun guitars again and that kind of thing so we just gradually got a lot louder i, I remember the the first time i heard the dirty rotten so-and-so's the mm. the name like it mm -hmm. i remembered you guys because of the name and i think we played a show with you guys and then after that i think shortly after that you guys stopped playing <laughs> yes well it wasn't your fault don't worry <laughs> So you guys did the show yesterday at Gibson Music Hall, yep. and what a great venue that is. Yes. Got something coming up tonight. You're going to be playing outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> uh, it's the uh, Bazaar After Dark, which is like the kind of like open air arts market that they do in different places. I think this one's in Menasha. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was fortunate. I got the... Uh, the 4 p.m. slot, so it won't be like <laughs> deathly cold, but it's going to be cold, and I'm scared. Have you played shows before where you've been trying to keep your fingers warm? Because I, I think the temperature is going to be it's going to be freezing at four, I, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Have you played shows like this before, or is this going to be a first? I've played some that have been pretty cold. I have more experience on the other end of the spectrum, like <laughs> like scary hot stuff. Like we've done. The last couple of years, we've had at least one every summer that was outdoors that like there were health concerns for at least one person in the band. Like people were getting dizzy and we played a mile of music show like early on in the festival. And it was at Spats and the stage was like a flatbed trailer, but it was black. And we're playing on there. And after like 20 minutes, our shoes started to kind of melt and like stick to the stage a little bit. And we're like, this probably isn't safe. <laughs> You've got uh, some other stuff coming up. You're going on a kind of a, a short run of, of mm -hmm. shows. I was kind of reading a little bit about it. It, it. You're calling it a funny story about a sad song is the name of the, the run, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the shows are from November 12th to, six, to the 16th, but mm -hmm. it looks like you're going to be down in Illinois, I think in Minnesota as well. And Iowa. And Iowa. And then two, I'll be in Eau Claire and Minocqua with a band called Them and Cooley Boys, who I like a lot. How did uh, this, did, was this just something that you decided you wanted to do? Yeah. Um, I, I like to play as much as I can and I like to uh, play to new people. You know, when, when you've been playing as, as long as I have, it's uh, sometimes appealing to just play to the same people because they like you and it's, it's nice, but it's a different feeling to like win people over and, you know, meet new people and, and see new places and, so I, I had booked the shows with them Cooley Boys, and then I decided, like, well, I could just make a week out of it. and An interesting week. It's a, a wide variety. I play a lot of different kinds of shows, and I have quite a few different kinds of shows on that week-long run. So, when, when you're doing these shows, do you play songs from your solo catalog plus songs from back with, you know, the Dirty Rotten So-and-Sos and the New Old Things? Do you mix it up? Because you've got a huge catalog of songs to choose from. Yeah, I have a lot of songs. Um, I don't do any so-and-so songs. I, I'm not sure if that would work and I'm not sure, you know, you, you look back 10 years ago on stuff you wrote and you're like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> but I do, uh, I have some fun with like some of the louder new old things songs. I'll, I'll play them quiet and a lot of them translate pretty well. And then I do my solo shows. I do a lot of new stuff cause I always seem to have a, a lot of new stuff laying around and I like to play that out before I bring it to the band and that kind of thing. 
Let's uh, give everyone a taste of the dirt, Dirty Rotten So-and-Sos. Oh, no. This song is called Sweet Talker. Can you tell Ooh. us the story behind this one? We recorded this song and four other ones, I think, at a studio in Oshkosh called Topsoil that I loved, and it closed shortly after. Again, I hope that wasn't our fault. <laughs> we did it live. It was the first time I had ever done something live. And the only way I've done it since, like the new old things do everything totally live uh, lately to tape and we do vocals live and all that kind of stuff. Our drummer was really sick and he at one point walked to a gas station and, and bought a bottle of like Robitussin or something and just drank the whole thing and then fell asleep, we'll call it, on the couch because <laughs> he, was, he was not feeling good. But we got it done as is, you know, our way. <laughs> All right, check this out. This is Dirty Rotten So-and-So's with Sweet Talker. You're listening to Core on Code Zero Radio. was the Dirty Rotten So-and-Sos with Sweet Talker. You're listening to Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. My guest is Christopher Gold. If you've got a question for Christopher, give us a call, 920-358-0795. Let's go back to, to Peg One. Okay. Where were you born, and how was your, your life growing up? I was born in Owensboro, Kentucky, and we moved around a lot. We went from Owensboro to Indiana to Colorado, to Wyoming, to Ohio, and then Wisconsin. How old were you when you got to Wisconsin? I'm not exactly sure. I think I was like 10, something like that. So like, I have this weird thing where I, I don't have like a Wisconsin accent, but I don't have a Kentucky accent, but it peeks through a little bit because my dad has one and, and you know, 
helped raise me. So, <laughs> were you from a a musical family? Was was music big in the house, or was that something that you kind of adopted later on? Uh, my dad is musical, which I didn't. I don't remember really being aware of as a kid, but as I got older, I became aware that he played guitar, and uh, and then in my like teen years, he picked up the mandolin and got really into bluegrass and showed me all that stuff. But by that point I was already pretty deep into like the, the punk rock and metal stuff and, and didn't really want to hear about folk music or bluegrass music or anything like, you know, what, at what point did you finally pick up a guitar? Uh, I think I was about 10 or 11. There was just one in the house. I just, happened upon it it looked cool well this this question is is timely it, it oh. comes from treble oh hi treble she wants to know if you can explain or uh comment oh on the the moment when you decided to fully commit to making a living with your music mm. well first of all i'm using one of treble's wonderful coasters right now for my coffee i like her a lot and, and all the stuff she's doing the the moment I committed to trying to make a living doing it. It had been the only thing I wanted to do for since I was about 10, but it was a few years ago. I was working at guitar center, fixing guitars for people. I was pretty unhappy doing that. And I, I felt like I was bringing some of that unhappiness home. Like it's hard to be a good dad and a good husband when you hate what you do eight hours a day. Right. <laughs> and we had summer coming up and, and my son, Oliver, we needed to find something to do with him during the day. And we just started talking about the amount of shows I was playing and how I could play more if I wasn't working. And it wasn't a safe decision at the time to just quit my job and say, I'm going to play music, but it wasn't a crazy decision either. Like I was already doing a lot of shows and, and putting out records and people were buying them occasionally. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was probably three or four, maybe five years ago that I decided to actually go all in, but I had wanted to from the beginning, basically. Thanks for the question, Treble. Yes, thank you. And for the coaster. You mentioned growing up. Yes. And you mentioned, you know, when he picked up the guitar. Mm. What uh, what bands are you listening to? You mentioned metal, punk. Mm. And obviously, we'll go back to that. We're getting a phone call. Ooh, I hope it's good. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm nervous. All right. You're on the air with Christopher Gold. What's your question? Yeah, I got a question for Mr. Gold. Uh, he's so busy all the time. Does he ever do you ever schedule any like downtime to decompress, or you just take advantage of it when it comes along? Uh, I don't schedule downtime to decompress because I have uh, I have a fear that if I don't take everything, the offers will stop coming. And I do. I really enjoy playing for people and 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 meeting people and that kind of thing. So I, I take everything. And even if we, if we take like a family trip or something or a vacation air quotes, I'll try to book a show there. And, uh, so no, I, I, have not, I don't think ever gone out of my way to schedule downtime. The one, if you want to call it upside of the freezing cold winters is that things just kind of naturally slow down. So in January, I'll find myself with a week or two off, but I, I, I get pretty, fidgety when that happens too i get real antsy thank you for the call the artists the punk artists the metal artists yeah um well i grew up in a in a pretty strict christian house and they were pretty strict about what could and could not come into the house musically my sister who lived in colorado at the time with my dad because my parents were divorced she would go out of her way to try to find stuff that was passable but still kind of good. She sent me an MXPX CD because technically, I guess at a time they were considered a Christian band. I don't know. I can't keep up with that stuff. But And then I sort of flipped through the liner notes and I, I went out and bought every band that was on one of their t-shirts. And that's how I found Social Distortion, who's still huge for me. And then that led to The Clash, who's a real big deal to me it was right around then that, that green day came on the radio it's funny after the show last night they were playing music and uh an offspring song came on and i was reminded how big that record with uh smash 
Yeah. That record, you remember? Like, you kind of forget about it, but yeah. when someone reminds you, like, oh man, that was everywhere. And it was kind of a big deal. And Rancid and that kind of thing. And then as I got a little older, like the Buzzcocks and the Gun Club, you start getting into a little more obscure stuff. Um, so, yeah. Any uh, metal artists that you're embarrassed to, uh, to mention? I'll come over right out and say I was a big Molly Crew fan. Dude, I'm still a Motley Crue fan. <laughs> Motley Crue rips. And if you don't like Motley Crue, it's because you don't want to have a good time. And I don't want you around. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I don't know if, if there are things I'm embarrassed of. I, tr- I try not to be embarrassed about liking well, let's, stuff. Let's not say embarrassed. Like, let's uh, use guilty pleasure. Okay. That's probably better. None of my guilty pleasures are heavy. All my guilty pleasures are... Um, and again, I don't even know that I would call it a guilty pleasure. I would call it... Um, I like stuff that surprises people. Like, I, I genuinely, unironically, really, really like the Dixie Chicks. Okay. Like, I, I buy their stuff on vinyl, and I like a lot of Justin Timberlake stuff. I like Pink. I mean, she's a badass, and she's funny. And But no, there was a kind of, like, when you're a kid, and you're just kind of desperate to get whatever you can get, me and my friend Tyler ended up sneaking into some shows at, uh, remember Ryan's Ballroom? Yeah. Yeah. They had 18 and over shows, and we were 15 and 16, so we would sneak into shows just to see whatever we could see and we ended up seeing like we saw seven dust and drowning pool if you remember them just kind of real weird angry radio stuff but we were seeing live music for the first time ever so we were excited about it and what are your thoughts on the the scene in appleton as far as all ages shows do you Mm. feel there's enough or do you feel we need somewhere no i don't think there's enough and I, I was just talking to my wife about this. I, f- I feel like the, the thing with, with the scene or an arts culture or, or whatever you want to call it is it needs to be nurtured all the time and it needs to be nurtured from the ground up. And we need places for younger people to see music and eventually start playing music. And when I was in that phase of my life, that was what a lot of the basement shows had to do with. And we played VFW halls and that kind of thing. But um it, it would be cool if we could play for a younger crowd. And I know there's people working on that. And, and I know with Mila Music, a lot of those shows are all ages, and that's really cool. But if I had like a magic wand and I could fix or create anything in the area, it would be an all ages venue and a real good like listening venue. I don't feel like we have a great place yet to put like 50 people seated in a room and have a couple songwriters on stage. And Did you ever play at Mongo's? No. Okay. I think that was a little before my, when Mongo's was around, I was playing very loud, angry, like <laughs> political music with a lot of swears in it. So they probably wouldn't have loved us. <laughs> Do you feel that The Clash is one of the bands that is one of the, the main foundation points in your... Like my musical DNA? Yes. Yes. There's a couple artists like Joe Strummer from The Clash and Tom Petty that sort of, they were bigger than just the songs they were writing and they were they were speaking publicly about how they do things and what their motivations are and their ethics and that kind of thing with a band like the clash and with tom petty they influenced my music with the clash it's probably less obvious like how the clash influences a folk song that i wrote but and with petty it might be a little more obvious but they also influence how i put it out and when I put it out and how I try to treat people. As a young kid, I, I, I felt like in a lot of ways I was being raised by the music I was listening to. And it's where I got a lot of my political ideas. And it's where I got, um, again, just sort of the ethic of, of how you treat people and how you treat your band and how you, um, how you treat your audience and how you try to, with, with both, one of those things both those artists have in common is, is it was really important to them that their music was available and accessible and not expensive to a crippling degree. And, and that's something I've kind of stuck with as much as I can. I wish it was all free, but we've got a, another question for you. Ooh, it's a two-parter. Oh, uh, I'm going to butcher the last name. So I'll just say Ryan from the lately. Hey, <laughs> well, it's not the, not who the question's from. Oh, I love Ryan. Uh, Ryan. It says, uh, from the lately, played a run of shows for a little while with you. Yes. How did that come about? It came about because he is a superhero, is how it came about, basically. Um, we needed a guitar player, uh, and we found out we needed a guitar player like three days before Mile of Music. And we were, we were panicking, 
I called Ryan and I was like, hey, dude, we need a guitar player. Could you learn like 12 songs? And he goes, yeah. And that was it. <laughs> it was fun. And he's a wonderfully fun human being. And um, he's another guy that like plays one kind of music, but loves all music. So we're having these really fun conversations about metal and, and stoner rock and all kinds of stuff. And uh, it was so much fun that we just kind of let it ride for, like I said, about a year. If, if he had wanted to join the band, he, he absolutely would have been welcome to do so. But he, uh, as most people probably know, he, he's in a band called The Lately, a really great band called The Lately uh, here in town. And he's a wonderful artist. He's, he paints and he draws and he's, he's focusing on that a little bit more than the guitar at the moment. Like he's trying to do more showings and, and galleries and stuff like that. His last name is Ike. It's Ryan Ike, E-I-C-K. So if you want to check out his art, he's on Facebook and you can probably Google him. He's fantastic. One of my prized possessions is uh, he drew me a centaur playing the mandolin <laughs> and I love it. And he, 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 I don't even know if he knew exactly, he was at like a, like an art thing where the event was all these artists are just going to draw stuff on the spot. And I was standing there, he goes, what should I draw? And I said, draw me a centaur playing the mandolin. And he goes, okay. And he just <laughs> and he just busted it out in like 40 minutes and it's amazing and it hangs in my house and I love it. The second part of this question is, you know, we're going to get to it pretty quick. It kind of ties in with the ninth annual annual toy drive. Ooh. Is John Prine a musical influence for you? And if so, did you ever get a chance to meet him? Yes, John Prine is a musical influence for me. Sort of later on though, like I found him in my adulthood. So it wasn't as formative as I even wish that it was. I think, I think he's a good guy to be influenced by because he, uh, he cares about songwriting. And I feel like in some ways that's a lost art. It's a lot more about like tones or, you know, perfect recordings. And, and he was very much about the writing. And I like that. I have not had the pleasure of meeting him, although we did, end up on a festival together. So I got to, um, he was headlining a festival in Kentucky and me and my band were playing the after party at like 2 AM and it was outside, but it was raining. So they cut the power. So we had to just do it completely acoustic and you know, everybody's been drinking and on drug, not us of course, <laughs> but the crowd. But the, the main upside of that is we got to watch John Prine from like backstage. And my dad was there and my wife and son were there and and it was just like a real dreamlike experience and those questions came from uh jerry host of amped up thanks for the questions jerry thank you jerry i think it's time for another song i want to play 35. oh tell me about this one well it's irrelevant now because i turned 36 a few days ago uh it's the what? i know it's the second time I've written a song referencing my age and then realized 365 days later that like, well, that was a bad idea. <laughs> um, I wrote this song on my birthday when I turned 35, uh, was on like a Tuesday or something. So Oliver was in school and Tori was at work and I was just kind of sitting in my living room going like, well, you're 35 now. <laughs> and you know, birthdays just make me feel kind of overly self-reflective. And you're like, is this what I'm supposed to be like when I'm 35? Cause I don't feel like how I thought I would feel like. So I wrote this song. It's called 35. This is 35 from Christopher Gold. You're listening to Core on Code Zero Radio.
35 from Christopher Gold. That's off Root to Bloom. You're listening to Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. We got another question. Let's get to it. It's a voice message. And I get so nervous. I'm worried someone's going to call in and say they don't like me. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I was just wondering, what's the hardest thing about recording an album? Thanks. Oh. Uh, well, the hardest thing about recording an album for us is, is really... Um, the rehearsal process because we're not a band uh we don't practice ever really truly like uh because <laughs> we, we play live so much that we're just like, eh. but when we make a record we get together obviously like five or six times and run through everything and, and get it down and then we go in the studio and we we do them live like we do everything live and that makes it a little bit easier because we don't have to worry so much about but there is there's some pressure when you do it live because if one person makes one little mistake, like, oh, that whole song's garbage now, we have to do it again. I should probably just admit to it, because otherwise one of my bandmates will call in. <laughs> I get pretty intense in the studio, like, I want it to be done right away. So if, if we, you know, most of them we get them done within like two or three takes. But by the third take, I'm starting to get kind of crabby. <laughs> like, like, why can't we just do it once and then move on? <laughs> I'm very impatient. I've, I've had the good fortune of, of always having really talented bands because i don't i don't think everybody can hang with the the live recording and then i always really struggle with after it's done with the track listing like putting it in a certain order sequencing yeah i'm really bad at it and i have all these weird rules like i don't want two songs that start with the same letter to be back to back like on the back of the record so that takes some time can mm. you tell me who's in your band how you met them i don't remember who's in the band now <laughs> let's see on on bass and a backing vocal. We have Andrew Zimmerman, who uh, has been in the band the longest and is one of my best friends, and I love him. And uh, his son had a birthday yesterday. He joined the band because I had a guy playing bass at the time that wanted to play guitar because he was a guitar player, my friend Alex. And uh, we were rehearsing at uh, Studio H, and Zim's band at the time was rehearsing at Studio H. And Zim was just really funny and still is really funny. And I like being around him. And Alex really wanted to move to guitar. So he just kind of joined the band. And it was a lot of fun. And then we have uh, Ryan Gracialny playing drums. He's been in the band for, I think, like two years now. He was in a whole mess of, of popular area bands. He was in the Midwestern Charm. He was in Ian Oliver and the Sleepwalkers and, and Patterns and Static before that. I don't know if people remember them. They were a lot of, a lot of fun. And he was someone that, like... I was Facebook friends with him. I just kind of knew him. And we had a show booked. And two days before the show, the guy that was playing with us at the time, my friend Josh Rankin, he hurt his knee bad enough that he couldn't play the show. So I called Gracie and I was like, hey, man, uh, can you learn like like 20 songs in a couple days? And he goes, yeah, man, no problem. And then eventually our drummer at the time, Adam, who I love, he wanted to go focus on other things. He does really cool like woodworking and that kind of thing. And I asked Gracie if he wanted to join. And he said, yeah. My friend Caleb Cheslock plays guitar. That story is, uh, we had a show in Illinois 
and I needed a guitar player and I was texting my friend back and forth and he was like, oh, you should ask Caleb. And I was like, well, I don't really know Caleb. I've met him once or twice. I don't really know him, but I'll think about it. <laughs> and I said, okay. and he says, okay. Five minutes later, I get a text message from an unknown number that says, hey, dude, this is Caleb. What are we doing? <laughs> and I go, oh, um, thinking he would say no. I was like, well, we have a show in Illinois in like a week if you can learn 12 songs. He's like, cool, see you there. And, and he met us in Illinois and, and played the show and it was great. And uh, he's in the band now. <laughs> and he's been in the band for a little over a year. And, and the, this lineup has made two and a half records, technically. It's, it's fun. But everyone that's ever been in the band has been a lot of fun and they've all been really talented and better than me. So it's cool. You've got a annual toy drive coming up. It's the ninth annual toy drive. It's gonna take place December 14th. How did you get started with, with doing the first one and how has it evolved over time? The first one was when I was in the Dirty Rotten So-and-Sos and we had a show at the Cold Shot. And like two days beforehand, I was like, we should try to do something for Harbor House just the local domestic abuse shelter. The very last minute, I just told everyone like, hey, if you're coming to the show, you should bring a toy. It was mostly that first year, it was mostly the bands. Like it was really kind of heartwarming to see all these like scuzzy punk rock bands showing up with like a van full of toys. Like uh, there's a band from Milwaukee called the DUIs. They went to Target the day before and like filled up a cart. These like, you know, sweetheart, greasy punk rock dudes just buying up toys for little kids. And then, the next year we decided to do it again. It just kind of gradually grew and grew and kind of evolved as my music changed and as the, the people I knew playing music changed. Basically what it is, um, we, we charge money at the door or ticket sales. Ideally, it usually sells out. 100% of that money goes to Harbor House to help them buy, you know, shampoo and baby food and all kinds of stuff. And we also collect new unwrapped toys, which then the women at Harbor House, they pick a toy or toys and they give them to their kids during the holidays. And it goes a long way in doing a lot of things. It, it assures that kids at Harbor House have a good Christmas. It, it alleviates some stress for the women at Harbor House because a lot of times they don't have transportation, they might not have access to money and that kind of thing. And it starts to hopefully help mend that relationship. A lot of times there can be a lot of stress in a, in a mother-child relationship in that scenario. And there's a lot of trust issues and, and that kind of thing. It, it really kind of kicked into gear when I had my son and, and seeing like, you know, I was at an age where like, I don't care about Christmas. You know, I was working at a gas station, time and a half. It was awesome. <laughs> but he was so excited about the holidays. It got me excited about the holidays. And then you start to think about people people that don't get to experience that and, and just want to help a little bit. And we have a lot of fun. And this year we're doing a tribute to John Prine and it's going to be good. Can you cue us in on any of the musicians that will be performing? Yes. Christopher Gold will be there. Sweet. Um, I'm not a fan of him. I think he's a bit much, but he's going to be there. <laughs> Zim is going to join me on a song. Uh, Joseph Huber from Milwaukee is going to come play. It'll be his second time at the Toy Drive. My friend Simon Balto has been coming back for years and years and years and years. Uh, he's like a staple of the event and I love him and it's great. Andrew Johnson from Oshkosh, he was in bands like The Haunted Heads and Holly and Plastic and Mark Steven Hillstrom, Paige Hargrove, she's a wonderful songwriter from Chicago. Zach Petrini from Milwaukee and then Kevin and his wife, uh, Kevin from Karate School, oh. Kootnik. He and his wife are gonna come do, John Prine is kind of famous for his duets and they're gonna do a couple of those. I'm really excited about that. I hope I didn't forget anybody, it's very early. <laughs> How can, how can people buy tickets for this event? Well, uh, they can. the fastest, easiest way is to go to ChristopherGold.com, and there's a link right on the top of the, the page. You can click that. I think the, the website that we sell the tickets through, they charge a little fee, but the $10 you give us for the ticket, 100% of that goes to the cause. Um, no one that plays gets paid. My friend Charlie does sound, he volunteers, the bartenders volunteer. Every venue we've ever done it in has been donated. So nobody's ever profited from the toy drive, which I really like and kind of maintains the spirit of the first couple. And if, if you want to go, I'd suggest buying tickets soon because the last I heard it was over half sold out. Yes, thankfully. Um, it, it usually, we've had a couple that didn't sell out, but most of them do. And then I get to deal with, you know, I promote it kind of relentlessly for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then it finally sells out. And then I get 15 messages like, oh, man, I really want to come. Is it really sold out? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so the lesson is don't wait to the last minute. Buy your tickets now. <laughs> it, it should be a really good year. How do you decide on the, the artist that you're going to uh, pay tribute to? It's just, you know, it's just people I like and, and people that I think other people will be excited about performing their songs. And, 
and people that are just really good song writers because it's with the tribute shows the last four years have been tribute shows there's no band it's just like solo acts or duos and so the song itself has to be pretty exciting and and we've we've found a balance of like everybody likes john prine and everybody likes bob dylan but we also did towns van zant and gillian welch who were people that the the audience was less familiar with and a lot of people came and talked to me afterwards saying that, that they sort of found these really great songwriters through the event which was exciting it seems like you put out at least one album a year yep which is impressive thank you it, when you're starting the the songwriting process are you writing most of the songs for the new old things or is it a collaborative process um i write all the songs and then i just do like home demos of them and then i send them to the band if there are 10 songs maybe like seven of them we'll just keep as is and and figure out how to do it as a band but usually like two or three of them someone in the band will have an idea like oh, what if we did this this way and then like we have a song i think you played it last week called the river that's kind of clashy and and cool but it was a bluegrass song when i wrote it and i sent it to the guys and we were just kind of playing it and we weren't having fun and and we felt like we had a lot of folky rock songs and and we're just kind of bored and and so we changed that up and then we have a song called coming home that's real like spacey and ambient and weird and that was also just like kind of a straight up bluegrass song that you know when you write a bluegrass song and then bring it to a band that's not a bluegrass band you're kind of forced to do like cool fun stuff with it so they, they add a lot to the process for sure are your bandmates pretty good about telling you they if they don't like something uh like if you had any ideas they just flat out said no i don't know um we we've definitely had songs that that in rehearsal were just like nah you know, I don't really think it's working or you just kind of figure out, um, you bring in a song and, and then by the second or third week of rehearsal, you can figure out like nobody ever says, oh, we should play such and such a song. Right. And then you kind of realize, you know, and, and the other thing that I'll do, because obviously they don't want to be like, hey, man, that song is bad. <laughs> You're crap. <laughs> so what I've been doing the last two records, I'll send them more than we need. And I'll say like, hey, here's 15 songs everybody pick your your favorites and then i'll go through that list and, and say like okay well of the five people i sent the demos to because i'll send them to the band and my dad and tori my wife and and then i'll say like well this was the most popular like four of them liked this one and and that was how we picked the songs for the last record writing so many songs how do you find the inspiration for lyrics and are you normally writing the lyrics before the music are you coming up with an idea uh, for example, we're going to be playing Devils. Mm. I mean, like, are you coming up with the idea for the lyrics first, or are you coming up with a riff or a progression and then going from there? Uh, I'll usually get an idea for, like, a line. Like, my phone is, is full of, like, just single one or two lines in note form, or, or I'll write stuff down on napkins or notebook paper or my computer or whatever. And then I'll be at home playing guitar and kind of piece that stuff together and, and, and figure that stuff out. So, yeah, the, I think the, the best songs happen all at once though like all the songs i like a lot it's usually two things it's usually the music and lyrics come at the same time and it's usually something that i feel nervous about like i don't know if we can get away with this like all of our most popular songs are songs that when i sent to the band i was like i don't know if anyone's gonna like this but i think it's kind of fun and and then people end up responding to those so tony sent in another question he wanted to know if you have any plans for vinyl uh i know you did a you had a single out. Yeah, I did a seven inch. I did a split seven inch with Mark Steven Hillstrom. Uh, he has a great song on there. Vinyl. I love vinyl. Anybody who knows me knows I, I love, it's how I buy all my music. I, I think I have, last time I counted, I have like 2,500 12 inch records and then a bunch of seven inches and 10 inches. And the problem is it's really expensive to press vinyl. And then that sort of limits, I give a lot of music away for better or worse. You know, you you meet people at the merch table that say, oh, that was great. You know, I wish I had 10 bucks. I'm like, oh, just just take one. And that's harder to do with with vinyl. If you have 15 bucks yeah. sunk into this thing, it's harder to give away. But I, I do my next full length will be my 10th record under my own name, which is strange. And we're figuring out a fun way to make it that's going to save a lot of money. So we're hoping that in 2020 we'll have a full length vinyl record that would be great yes i hope so <laughs> gatefold 
I hope so. That's the other problem. <laughs> you get into all this stuff where like, well, if we're going to do it, we should like fully do it. And then you just watch it get more and more expensive. You should and probably shrink wrap it. Right. Get a barcode. Right. For it. And then you want a digital download in there. I hate when records don't have a download. I do too. I hate it. <laughs> have you thought about a GoFundMe mm. to, to uh, raise money for a vinyl? Yeah. It's, it's hard not to think about that kind of stuff because just where the world is right now, it's, it's kind of omnipresent. I think you got to be real careful with that kind of stuff. On the one hand, I really like the idea. Uh, it's very grassroots and like someone like me who does everything independently and has never had like management or a label or a booking agent. It, it's nice to have your, your audience and your friends and dare I call them fans, like chip in and, and help out. And then they get the record. And there have been crowdfunding campaigns I've even contributed to, like pre-ordering friends records or, or helping people that, that need a hand with a medical thing or, or whatever. But I see so many people doing it like the wrong way and being kind of abusive of their audience and manipulative. And you see this stuff where like, if you give us $5,000, we'll, we'll send you a drumstick and put your name in the liner notes. And you're just like, well, hey guy, that's not worth $5,000. And I think you know that. I think you're screwing people over. <laughs> so maybe someday, um, if we can figure out a way to do it that feels good. But again, you know, I have, I have a lot of respect and appreciation and affection for the people that listen to my music. And I don't want to take advantage of that. We had a question. Somebody wants to know if there are any more songs from the sailboat coming out. No, it was just those two. That was fun. And if you go to, to YouTube, mm -hmm. I think they're posted. You did some songs on a sailboat. Yeah. If you go on Facebook and search Venture Wisconsin or Christopher Gold, you'll find it. It's, it's a strange thing when, when you start out like the way I started out in like punk rock and, and stuff like that. And then you start really naturally playing a different kind of music and it just sort of happens that people like that kind of music. And you start getting these offers that you're like, I'm, I'm still like the, the punk rock kid with the tattoos on his neck and, and I'm getting offers. You want to come on this really nice sailboat and play a couple songs as the sunsets behind you? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be wearing dirty pants, but let's do it. <laughs> and I, you know, like I said, I try to say yes to almost everything just because it's fun. You know, like stuff like this is a ton of fun, you know? And if I get a message saying like, hey, you want to come hang out in my basement at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday? I always go, yes, I do. Sounds like a good time. We'll post the sailboat links on, on Code Zero Radio if, if you're interested in checking those out. I don't want to get too close to the end of the show without mentioning the huge catalog of songs that <laughs> or albums that you do have out. You have Good and Gone from 2013, yep. When the Buzzards Leave the Bones in 2014, Don't Get Lonesome 2015, Whichever Way Home 2016, You Are a Ghost in 2017, and then... 2018 and 2019 you put out three albums blood harmony <laughs> low light and roots of bloom those three albums are available on one album yeah. called sprawl yeah <laughs> just hearing you listed is funny <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me about the the three albums so you were releasing a song every two weeks yes and then you ended up condensing them all to an album mm -hmm. which you can get at the exclusive company yeah in appleton you can get at the exclusive company you can uh get it online you can go to christophergold.com and i'll mail it to you you can meet me for a cup of coffee, whatever you want to do. <laughs> How did you decide to do that the every two weeks thing? Was that just a challenge to yourself or was it a, kind of a, a clever kind of promotional idea? It was a couple different things. Was it a slap in the face to this need content constantly situation we're currently in? It was an experiment in that. It was, it was trying that on. So the, the record before all that, You Are a Ghost, was a weird record, too, because it's a, it's a two-disc set, and you get, like, a rock and roll record, and then you get the same songs, but, like, kind of drastically reworked in, like, a Springsteen, Nebraska style. And at the time, I wasn't on Spotify. I didn't use Spotify. I didn't know anything about Spotify. And then I was having a conversation with someone, and, and they basically kind of tough love were like, you know, it's great that you think you're cool or you're punk rock or whatever, but like, this is how people listen to music. And if you're ignoring that, then you're ignoring a lot of people that might want to listen to your music. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. So then we started thinking about, I was ready to make a record, but Zim had just had a baby. And we were all still really proud of the last record. And when you put out a new record, your old record just kind of dies. <laughs> And, and we didn't want that to happen. So I started sort of developing this idea that first it was I was going to make a solo record. And then when the solo record was done, I already had another record that was a New Old Things record written. And then it became this idea of like, well, what if we just record everything and put it out as a single every two weeks for a year for free, which we ended up doing. And then I just kind of selfishly wanted to collect it all into one thing because they were written as records, as right. nine song albums. So we collected it as a three disc thing that people can buy for 20 bucks because uh, 
when the clash did sandinista and it was three discs they made sure to keep it cheap so i'm trying to do the same thing <laughs> well and you're from the the mind that i am i, I like albums mm-hmm. i like having a, an album in my hand and it, it's really hard to adjust to this spotify culture of yeah at least a single or now the popular to release eps because you can mm-hmm. get them out faster and i really like having an album in i my do hand. too and i wonder how long any of that music will last in people's minds like you release one song and people like it you think about someone like like justin timberlake who i like and he has a song like can't stop the feeling that i love and i bought it on on orange vinyl <laughs> and uh the instrumental versions on the b-side and it's a great song and everybody loves it and it's everywhere they play it every 15 minutes on the radio and then one day they stop and you never hear it again because it, it wasn't a big enough piece of art or whatever to demand people's attention for long enough to sort of cement it in their memory. So I, I think like physical stuff and full length stuff is still pretty important. I asked earlier if you wanted to try doing an acoustic song. Sure. Are you still up to it? Yeah. All right. Going to move a couple mics around here. And if you want to grab the guitar and get ready. Sure. Uh, so what are you going to play us? You want an old one or a new one? Let's hear a new one. Okay. Uh, this is a new one. It's called What It Means, and it's one of the songs I did on the sailboat. It's about uh, getting older and trying to figure out what's what. It goes like this. I like this guitar. I'm going to have to take it home. Trying to learn to accept what is, or thinking I might be what might have been. But I filled up both pockets and took all I could get Yeah, I've got regrets, but I've got a few wins And I'm looking back on losses that look better than they did But if I wrote the book today, it'd be about not knowing much I guess what it means, if I could tell you anything it would be to stop listening and just get up and go Cause I don't think too much about the times that I failed But I'm haunted by every time I stood still Yeah, the first real death is the moment you decide to wait There's only minutes in life and I've been grateful for some But at the end of the day I wouldn't return none I'd only wish I could have spent every single one with you I guess what it means Is if I could tell you anything It would be to never sit still next to an open door Cause something's gonna leave be it your days or your dreams And you can sing a lot of songs to the rhythm of your feet there's an anthem waiting to be found out on the road So take all of your people, believe all of your things And find a kind of joy all that stuff can't bring Cause there will never be enough if you have ever wanted more I guess what it means is if I could tell you anything It would be that you have less time than you had before I guess what it means Is if I could tell you anything It would be to stop listening Just get up and go <laughs> that was great. That was Christopher Gold. Christopher's got the Toy Drive coming up, the ninth annual Toy Drive. Go buy your tickets now. It's over half sold out. It's December 14th. It's getting the Christmas spirit. Uh, tickets are $10. It's going to be at the beautiful Outer Edge stage in Appleton. And this year they're going to be playing music from John Prine. Lots of great musicians there. And again, a great event. The, the ninth year, it's hard to believe that we've already done eight of them yes it goes fast where can people find more information uh, more music from you my music is everywhere and then if you go to christophergold.com there's um all my music is there my show dates are there there's a link to my band camp where you can hear everything for free and everything's on spotify you can hear it for free and you can also 
buy it if you want to. I'm, I'm, it's been like a lifelong process of figuring out how I feel about selling music because I don't love the idea, but I also don't love the idea of being homeless. So it's like <laughs> trying to figure out how to do that. So right now, it's kind of up to you. You can pay for it if you want to. You can listen to it for free if you want to. And uh, I'm just, I'm happy people listen. It means a lot to me. Thanks for joining us on Fox City's Core on Code Zero Radio, Chris. I've really enjoyed. Me too. This is fun. We should do it again. We shall. We're going to end the show with Burn the Boats. Ooh. You have to set this one up. Well, the, the idea of, of burning the boats is, is this idea. I don't know if, if Columbus did it or if it was a myth that he did it, but it's this thing of explorers would do it. Columbus was a bad dude, by the way. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not inspired by him or anything. This idea that when you get to a new place, you, you burn the boats so that you can't go back to where it's safe and you have to stay in the new place and figure it out. And uh, that's the song is kind of about feeling restless and, and wanting to get to a new place. This is Christopher Gold. Thanks for listening to Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. This is Burn the Boats. Burn the boats, wind down with stones. We've sailed too long to ever come back home. To save the sails, that drink we brought. It's enough to start over. It's all we. for listening to CORE.